when I was first divorced, I wasn't doing well. So I would just kind of come in the store, look really quick, and then disappear. But he kind of caught on to that and said, like, hey, do you want to, like, go for wings sometime? And got me into that group. And it was just awesome to have a place to talk about silly stuff. It's a pretty heavy time in my life, right? So to talk about stuff that didn't really matter, to talk about Star Wars or Batman or whatever, and to find guys that were like, oh, we all love this same stuff. So that's kind of where it all started. And there was conversations around the table, like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to have a convention here someday? But... You know what it's like, uh, there's a lot of some days, right? Like, yeah, that'd be cool someday. Welcome to episode one of YXE Underground, an original podcast focusing on people in Saskatoon who are making an impact in their communities but are flying under the radar. My name is Eric Anderson. This is the first episode of YXE Underground, and this podcast is something I've been working on for about a year now, so I really appreciate you listening. I should tell you a little bit about myself and why I created YXE Underground. So I grew up on the south side of Swift Current, Saskatchewan. I say south side because it makes me sound all tough, but really it was a pretty tranquil place to grow up. Um, In my 20s, I taught high school in Frontier, Saskatchewan for about two years, but It just wasn't for me, so I went back to university to study journalism at the University of Regina, which led me to a nearly eight-year career working with CBC Radio. It was a great experience, and I especially loved working in radio. When I left CBC a few years ago to take a job at Sherbrooke Community Centre here in Saskatoon, I started thinking about doing a podcast, and it seemed to me that a podcast featuring interviews with people doing amazing things in Saskatoon, but for whatever reason aren't receiving a lot of public attention, would be kind of a cool thing to do. I also wanted to do something that might, in some small way, bring people and communities together through the sharing of people's stories. So, as I said off the top, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we should probably get to the first interview right now. I first met Mike Fisher at Saskatoon's Roxy Theatre. It was about three years ago at a screening of Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. That's the one where the Enterprise goes back in time to find humpback whales in order to save 23rd century Earth. Oh man, it's it's such a great movie. You have to see it. And uh, thank you again to my wife Jennifer for uh, coming with me that night. That was very special. Mike was there with the Saskatchewan Entertainment Expo. He is one of the co-founders of this great event, which is a Comic-Con-style weekend at Prairieland Park, and it brings Hollywood stars and artists from all around the world. The Expo has grown in size since it started in 2013 and has really served to bring together fans of all things TV shows, science fiction, fantasy, art, comics, animation, and whatever else you want to throw in there. I wanted Mike on YXE Underground because he's worked incredibly hard to build this event into something that thousands of people in Saskatoon eagerly await for every year. Mike was kind enough to say yes. So in July, we met at Amazing Stories, a great Saskatoon comic book store, and sat down at one of the tables in the very back where people come to play board and magic games. Surrounded by comics, posters, and science fiction memorabilia, Mike and I talked about everything from the success and challenges of Expo to how Saskatoon's comic book community really pulled him through some tough times. So I hope you enjoy this interview. 
Today we're at Amazing Stories, which is a comic store and amazing, uh, wow, I didn't mean to, it, it's an unbelievable comic store that's been around, I think, 18 or 19 years at this point. I've been coming here for about 12, um, and it was the birth of a lot of my interests uh, because it was a place that I could come and find like-minded people, and um, the owners are great, and I always feel like I'm at home, so it's it's sort of my home base for this sort of stuff, so. I, uh, I, I really wanted to chat with you on this podcast uh, because I think you've done great things for um, this community and building a community here in Saskatoon. Um, but I, I want to know, because I'm, I'm, I'm very curious, wh when did your love of, of all things, uh, comics, pop culture, movies, when and how did it start? It all started when I was very young with Star Wars. So that was something that my brothers and I watched every Christmas, at least once a year we'd watch the, you know, the trilogy, but it, it was something that we were, always did together, which I loved. There wasn't much like that. They were, they were very much into Star Trek as well, which was, at the time was a little bit nerdy for me, um, just because I think it was a little bit slower to catch on to some of the philosophical stuff. Um, but that's where it all started, and that's actually how I started coming to Amazing Stories, was I'd look for some Star Wars stuff to, to add to my collection. Um, it was pretty peripheral, though, until about 12 years ago when I started to sort of dig into the community more, when I started finding people that I had a lot in common with and I realized there might be more there in terms of friendships and, and you know, something interesting to become a part of. So when, when you were younger, did you have a lot of, of friends, like say middle school, high school, that, that were interested in this, in this kind of stuff? Because growing up in Swift Current for myself, I had few. I was a big Trekkie and I had <laughs> and, and some Star Wars and I had nobody. So did you have people? Right, and for you then there there wouldn't there was no internet at that point, right? No. So you were really would have been alone in that fandom. Sometimes I think that might there's pros and cons to both. Sometimes the way fandom is now, I think it better when there was no internet. Um, but no, I had Star Wars was sort of where it began and ended. Anything else was a bit too nerdy. Like I played football and and had the same friends from K to eight, and we just sort of did everything. But but we didn't really sit around reading comics a ton. I did a little bit. And we, you know, we all did a little bit, but it wasn't something that we immersed ourselves in. Uh, it was mostly playing with the Star Wars toys out in the sandbox. Of course, G.I. Joe was huge, uh, He-Man, all those sorts of things. When um, my friend Donnie, who you know, told me about this, it was actually Ronald Reagan that was responsible for all of those toys happening. I know, you think, what, what's the connection, right? It's because up until him, it was illegal to have a show that advertised your own toys to kids. And so he passed legislation that made it legal. So that's when Hasbro was like, oh, my goodness, Transformers, G.I. Joe, He-Man. Like, it was all just a reason to sell toys. But, of course, our age, we just ate that up, right? So um, it was, you know, that's sort of where it all boomed. And I think that's the golden age. And you can still see that stuff. It, it all just keeps looping around. So, um, but I could see how that, for you, that would be tough just to be into it by yourself. So I have Ronald Reagan to thank for my love of Optimus Prime and He-Man. Yeah, isn't that weird? Like, it's it's a weird connection. If you just said that to somebody without explaining it, they think, what in the world are you talking about? But, um, and I, sometimes I think there's good and bad, but I just loved those toys when I was a kid, right? Like, what we used to do with the G.I. Joes is we built huge sandcastles in the sandbox, place all of our G.I. Joes around uh, in different spots, and then just uh, put the hose at the bottom of the... That's, and then it was slowly, uh, uh, what's the word, a road, I guess. And then sort of the last G.I. Joe standing. I bet you there's probably 100 G.I. Joes in our backyard buried because we could never find them all afterwards, right? They'd all be buried in sand. Um, so, and, you know, back then, too, they were hard. 
one. Like we didn't have, we didn't get them from our parents. It was cutting lawns or Christmas or birthdays. Um, every Christmas, my grandma would buy my brother and I a Star Wars vehicle, which is like huge, right? Um, so it wasn't like we didn't, we you know, we took it, we took them seriously. But you get to an age where it was just more fun to play with them and screw around a bit. So, so twelve years ago, when you when you start to branch out a little bit more and find like-minded people here in Saskatoon, what what were your initial impressions of, of the community here? You know, it was very welcoming to me. So what happened was I was living in Calgary and I actually got divorced and I moved back and all of the friends that I'd had, um, I'm still friends with, but they were they really were all still married and had kids and had moved on to different things. Um, and I sort of thought like, I still hung out with them, but I felt very out of place and not because of them, but just the way it was. And so I thought, well, what, what can I do? What can I be involved in that sort of more where I'm at? And so there was a small group of us here at Amazing Stories that would go for wings sometimes or to Fuddruckers and it, it became a comic club. Um, it was actually Donnie again that at first invited me out. Uh, and, you know, when I was first divorced, I wasn't doing well. So I would just kind of come in the store, look really quick, and then disappear. But he kind of caught on to that and said, like, hey, do you want to, like, go for wings sometime? And got me into that group. And it was just awesome to have a place to talk about silly stuff. It's a pretty heavy time in my life, right? So to talk about stuff that didn't really matter, to talk about Star Wars or Batman or whatever, and to find guys that were like, oh, we all love this same stuff. So that's kind of where it all started. And there was conversations around the table, like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to have a convention here someday? But... You know what it's like? Uh, there's a lot of some days, right? Like, yeah, that'd be cool someday. Um, and so what happened was I was managing a Rogers back when video was still a thing, <laughs> right? And uh, we got into phones and stuff eventually, but the, our store was too big, so they shut it down. And so I had my severance, and I had to have a surgery. And so I was, there was time at home where I was recovering, and I thought, what can I do with that time? Because I got my bills paid for six months, and I just didn't know what to do. And I thought, well, maybe this is the time for that convention. So I gathered a group of six names and said, do you guys want to do this with me? I'll sort of do most of the work because I have this weird opportunity. But is that something you'd like to do? And then it's sort of, that's where it all started. What were, when those initial meetings were happening, was it a combination of like, you're excited for this, but intimidating or because expos are big deals. There's a lot of people there. Normally, that's totally my MO. It's sort of like I worry about all the details. Um, I have to have all my ducks in a row. You know my mom from Sherbrooke. We're very much the same way where we're just very organized and need to th we lay awake at night thinking about every detail. Um, but for some reason, it was like a lightning strike where I was sitting in Calgary listening to Nathan Fillion at their expo, and I just thought, I can do this. And it never, ever entered my mind again that it, we wouldn't do it so uh, I don't know where that came from I, I searched for it in other areas to sort of get that same sense of just believing in yourself um, and we had to fake it till we made it like I'd, I'd send out contracts for media guests and I get responses like what is this like you don't even know what you're doing and so I thought well I'm gonna learn right I have to learn so found some people some agents that actually worked with me and taught me um, but out of that group of six as is always the case you have to look for the people that are, are willing to work so it really truly boiled down to two of us out of those six. So that was Chris and I. Um, and who's Chris? So Chris Bernhard is my partner, and he is someone that um, is very much into original art. And so that was the, the way I kind of started having conversations with him. Uh, like he had covers from, I think, Walking Dead number two. Like he really sees things coming around the curve before they're a big deal. And he's such an eye for art. So that's why I talked to him. I said, like, you know, these, these art dealers, could we get any of these artists in, in town? And he was just like 
all over it. He he loved the idea so much. Um, he'd been to Calgary before too a, in an earlier year, so him and I would just talk for hours, and then we just thought, well, we'll just we'll just do it. We'll just see if we can pull it together. And it was all for fun, honestly. It wasn't any sort of a business or. We just wanted to, we were sick of having to go to Alberta or having to go to Ontario for these sorts of things. It seems like Saskatchewan is usually one of the last places to get these things or we're kind of considered like the black hole of the prairies. And I don't like that. There's so much to offer here and it's such a great city for like seven months of the year that I thought like we should have a convention. So that's sort of where it came from. And just to have a place for all the people in the city um, to come together. And I know that sounds kind of hokey, but I've always been about people in relationships like I I've done warehouse jobs I've done driving jobs I've hated it and I realized early on that when I was in my 20s that I just needed to be around people so the volunteers like it all it, it just worked perfectly into what I wanted to accomplish when was the uh, when was the first expo and then how how has how have you seen it grown over the years yeah so remember you were asking about like it's pretty intimidating like if I would have known where it would have gone I probably wouldn't have done it not to say that it's turned out bad but you just you know you, we kind of took it a day at a time so the first year was 2013 um and it was like chris and i and about 30 volunteers uh and we had to think i'm so bad at the numbers chris's brain is like a vault i love it because he remembers every detail we're a good partnership in that way um but i think it was 2300 people something around there we had kevin conroy from batman which was like huge for our city and i actually still think it is like he's like he's a great voice actor uh kim coates and then the smoking man from uh x-files william b davis yes yeah it was awesome so like i was really excited like i just almost couldn't believe that they were coming to our town i thought like this is not going to happen you know like they've signed the contract but there's there's no way it's going to happen so when they drive to the airport and you're or they come to the airport you're like oh my goodness they're actually here um so but the problem was people have been following us on social media from their personal accounts that worked for the toronto fan expo and the montreal convention and i think winnipeg even and all three of them contacted prairieland and said we want those guys out. We want those same dates next year. But Prairie Land, to their credit, came down on the Sunday during the show and said, you guys, we need to show you this email. You guys have been great to work with your local. If you want those dates, you're our first priority. And we said, yes, absolutely, we want those dates. And I was so mad. We were on such a high from it actually just being pulled off that that to know that they were trying to just instantly come in and crush us. At that point, the country was be- really being chopped up into like different companies claiming stakes, sort of. Um, and so I thought, the more Chris and I talked and the more I thought about it, I thought, we can't outspend Toronto. They're just going to come and crush us. And they're known to do that. So I approached Calgary. I loved the way they ran their show. Uh, I loved that they still cared about the fans. So I approached them and had a meeting and said, do you guys want a partner? Um, we we want to keep it in the West. I know that sounds a bit whatever, but I did. I wanted to keep it local-ish. Um, but the most important thing was that they really cared about the experience for fans. So... They took a few, like, I think a month to think about it and said, yeah, let's let's do it. Let's work together. So uh, 2014, 15, 16, and 17 were all with Calgary. So we saw the attendance go from 2,300 to 7,700 to 9,800, and then up to, like, the Cary Fisher year, I think, was 15,500. So it's just a huge amount of growth, and we never could have... I guess we could have. I shouldn't say that, but they knew how to do that. They'd done that. In Calgary, they'd seen in 10 years at the time, they'd seen a jump from... 1800 people to 100,000 so they know they knew they knew all those like bumps that you'd hit in the road to that sort of growth so um in 2012 they had a year where they the fire marshal shut them down I don't know if you heard I was at that year you were. I, I was yeah. so did you get locked out or were you I did I got I got really? locked out I was so grouchy 
<laughs> yeah, and rightfully so. Like they didn't. So yeah. what actually had happened was the fire marshal or the the venue wouldn't give them a capacity because then they'd be on the hook for it. So they sort of just talked around it. And so Calgary thought, well, that won't be an issue. Like we're never going to get that many people. And you. So what was your experience like? Did you did you were you outside or what happened? Yeah, we we were waiting in line and. Uh... And it was, I was with a group of friends and I was with my, my girlfriend at the time. And I said, we got to get there early. Cause that was the year, um, uh, that, uh, TNG was there Star Trek, the next generation. And I said, we got to get there early and, and everybody sort of lollygagged. And then, yeah. So I, and actually the only ever time, so that was a Saturday, the Sunday I used my CBC press pass to get in. That's the only time I've ever used my media pass for evil to get a ticket because I couldn't I didn't have a ticket for Sunday so and I really wanted to see it so um yeah I've never I've never told anyone (laughs) I don't I think that's of all the things that you could use it for I think that's pretty justified I mean it's the T it's TNG so did you get to meet any of them no no I didn't get to but I still got to see the and I'd I'd never been to Calgary's before and it Mm. and it was and it was huge but what I love about Saskatoon's is that like Calgary's was great, but it was almost, it was overwhelming for me. Whereas Saskatoon's, I still feel like there is, um, and I know it's it's grown lots, but I feel like there's that there's that tight knit community within it. Do, do you feel that? I definitely do, and 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 I've we've had uh, many many uh, comments to that to that same point, saying like there's just a different vibe here. Um, but I actually even felt that in Calgary, but it's it's very overwhelming, and mostly because I knew the team. So my goal was I actually wanted to work with them in the office and do both shows. That was sort of my long-term plan because I just loved the team there. There's there's so many great people, and they were there was maybe eight of them, and it was like a family. You know, like after the show, we'd all go to eat, and we'd, you know talk about whatever and it just was that's kind of what I wanted you know I wanted to sort of belong somewhere which I know sounds a bit cheesy but I think that's kind of what we all want in some way and it really hit that it was a combination of we all like the same things um like if you go to the Calgary Expo office one guy is all Jim Henson and and um uh oh my gosh Studio Ghibli stuff and then you know Kendrick's is all Transformers he collects like hundreds of Transformers so it's like well this is home to me right like there's a Hulk bust in the in the boardroom. Like it's just that was my that was my thing. So. I, and I don't think it's corny because when when I go to your your expo, I see people of all ages, especially young kids too, um, feeling that sense of of belonging, and that's huge. So do you do you think like because I always wonder about that if it if it's sort of not to get too lofty about it, but it's all, if, if there's almost a spiritual imprint that happens when it comes from leadership because I think you see that in business all the time. You can sort of tell when when a business loves it especially with restaurants, you know, you can really tell that versus corporate, right? Um, not that there's not good corporate if the managers are into it and stuff, but I do believe in that a bit that you, that you, you that it needs to, that's a big part of leadership is setting the tone. So with our volunteers, we've had the same volunteers, a lot of them. We probably have about 90 that have come for the last four or five years. And it really is like a, a homecoming every year. It's one of my favorite parts is seeing them all and then making it happen together. Like, some of them, I say, you know, do you want a year off? Like, do you want to just come as an attendee? They're like, no, no, this is way more fun, like, to be on the other side of it. And I agree. Like, I went to Calgary this year as an attendee. Didn't like it. Like, I've always been involved in some way. Like, I usually just help with the special events. Um, but just being involved in helping was way, way more up my alley. Interesting. Yeah. What, what are your expect? And I, I know we're, we're doing this interview in July right now, and so, but it's going to air in September. Um, if if people are hopefully listening to this before the expo, what what are your expectations? Because you you're back on your own now, right? Yes, yeah. So, real quick, what had happened was uh, that same company, oddly enough, in Toronto, Fan Expo, they 
bought the sh- the Calgary shows, and to up until about August, we thought that we were part of that deal. Um, but I'd actually I'd actually taken an exit because I didn't want to be part of it. Um, Chris was still involved, but they told us at the show that we weren't part of the deal. I I'd, I'd kind of caught on a bit earlier, um, but I didn't. You know, you don't know. You can, business is business. You're not going to push it. Um, and so they said, but the good the good the good news is that if you guys want to do it again, you're free to do it. And so, absolutely, like, well, it'll be local again. And they were fantastic, don't get me wrong. But there's just something about it being ours in the city. Um, and I miss a lot of the team anyway, too. But I think, like, the important thing for me is I, we love that everyone comes that are regulars. But I really want new people to discover it. Because when I walked into Calgary in 2010 was my first year, was the, the Leonard Nimoy year. I kind of had to be convinced to go because I thought I like Star Wars, I like Batman, but I don't really need to go to this. Like, what do you even do there? It's sort of my thought, right? I step off the C train and there's like three stormtroopers, and I was like, oh yeah, this is I'm home. This is my deal. Like, this is so me. And I've I've always gone. Actually, 2012 was the only year I couldn't go, um, oddly enough. But it was it was uh, it was just instant. So I feel like people see the cosplayers, which we love, and it's a big part of the show. It maybe scares them off a bit because they think, do I need to dress up? It, what, what is this thing about? So we try to get guests that appeal to people that maybe don't consider it otherwise. So like, for example, Ryan Hurst from Sons of Anarchy um, or John Ratzenberger from Cheers. You know, like my parents' friends are coming now because they're like, I want to go see see Cliff, you know? So so we try to, and we, but we also obviously try to have Star Wars and Star Trek and all that covered as well. But we just want it to be something for everybody. Um, another event in the city that families can come to. Another focus we have this year that we haven't always had as much at least is... Um, more experiences at the show so you pay to get in we want there to be stuff for families to do without spending extra money because it's you know you can spend money on autographs and photos and that's always a big part of our show but if you're bringing a family we want there to be like we're gonna you know have vr an escape room video games um i'm forgetting some but a whole hall filled with stuff that you can just come and do for free and try out and you know it helps other businesses that want to promote but it's it's mostly just people can come and have a fun day and don't feel the need to spend a bunch of money that they can't right so especially these days tight for a lot of people so um we just want to provide as much value as we can and that's something that we it's just a matter of effort on our part you know the putting the time in to create the relationships with the businesses and explain the value and um just kind of pull it all together do you uh, have you ever had a moment uh in the last few years where you you've thought back to going for wings with the original amazing stories crew and think like wow this I've I've come a long way <laughs> in, in the last little while. Yeah, it, it makes me like incredibly grateful for that group of friends, which most of them I'm still very close with and help with the show or involved as artists or different things like that. But more than anything, the big lesson I learned, and I wish it hadn't taken me this long. I was into my 30s at that point, but uh, I think it's easy to let fear of things hold you back, even if it's fear of finding new friends or fear of rejection. If if I hadn't gone to FUDS that first time or wherever we went for wings, I was scared to. I, I mean, I was freshly divorced and I, I, I felt sort of rejected by my f- other friends, even though, you know, it wasn't their fault. But I just I might just go, just, just go. And if it doesn't work, you can just leave, you know, that sort of thing. But I had a lot of anxiety at that point. But just to sort of see what is on the other side of that fear, um, I just never, never regret that. And it was a big lesson for me to say, like, just, just go. If you feel like doing something, just go. You and I went to, uh, not together, but you were at Mr. Rogers, the Won't You Be My Neighbor movie the other day. Uh, a friend canceled, and I thought, I don't really want to go by myself, but I thought, I really want to see it. Just go. 
You know what I mean? It's sort of like, well, I don't, it's, you know, it's weird to go by yourself. I usually enjoy it. Um, but I just don't let that stop me anymore, or at least try not to. Um, if something gives me butterflies, that's usually the stuff that has made a difference in my life and the stuff that I remember. So it's like, well, we'll just see what's on the other side. It doesn't always work out, but at least you know. So, yeah. I sure appreciate your time today. And good movie, too, wasn't it? I loved that movie. I loved that movie. Was there anything that, like, really stood out to you from that? Oh, I, I, you know, my, my wife and I went, and, uh, and, and by the way, I love going to movies by myself, too, because, oh. yeah, I do. Um, but it, it just an, how exceptional a man Mr. Rogers was and how if he was around today, he would, I don't know if he could do what he did now, what he did back in, in the day. I, I thought about that a lot, and it sort of bummed me out, and I thought, well, may, like at the very least, I guess I can aspire to that. I don't think anybody can be Mr. Rogers. There was that funny bit a little bit where his son says, what do you do when your dad's basically the second coming of Christ, right? Because it's like, how do you live up to that standard? The thing that really stood out to me, though, was when he, at, at one point later on in his life, felt that he hadn't made a difference. Remember when they asked him to come back for 9-11, and he said, well, who, who's going to care? What? So I just, that really hit home with me. It's sort of like... How would he ever think that? But you just never know where someone's at or, or um, I don't know. I, it just made me think a lot. I'm still kind of processing it, actually. But Do you feel like you're making a difference here in Saskatoon? I don't know. I mean, I wake up with that intention, certainly, but I don't know. The, Alec Baldwin has a fantastic bit. I don't know if you've heard him say this, but him and Jerry Seinfeld are talking about show business. And he's like, so many of us spent so many years sort of sitting in our apartment waiting for like the show business commission, or you could say the talent commission or the dream commission to knock on your apartment door and go like, your time's up. We've come to, you know, it's, it, we, it's, we know that you have talent. It came across our wire and it's time for you to step on into your destiny. And he's like, the, it sounds so stupid when you actually say it like that, but that's not what happens. You need to actually go out and do something for, for anything to happen. But I spent years sort of going like, yeah, someday I'll, I'll make a documentary. Someday I'll get involved with this or that. And it was like, I got to my thirties and 35 and I was like, I'm running out of some days. This is not going to be forever. Right. So, um, it just was, uh, that's sort of what it all came from. So that I do wake up with that intention. Like I don't have forever. Maybe that's a midlife crisis, I guess. I don't even really know, but I just think it's awesome to wake up and go like, what can we do today? Um, and it, you know, there's days where you don't, there's days where you have a self care or like, uh, I'm just going to hang out. But I, overall, that's sort of where I aspire to be is like, no one's going to come and do it for you. Um, smile, say hello, ask how people are doing and actually mean it and listen. I think it's pretty simple when you boil it down. It's hard to do some days, but it's sort of a real simple way to live. Best of luck at Expo this year. I'm volunteering, so I'm super excited for it. So this will be great. Yeah. Oh, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. This is really fun. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Mike Fisher. What a beauty of a guy. He is the co-creator of the Saskatchewan Entertainment Expo, which runs this month at Prairieland Park on the 15th and 16th of September. And if you've never been before, it really is worth checking out, as I think you'll have a blast. This has been the inaugural episode of YXE Underground. Thank you so much again for listening. My name is Eric Anderson, and I host and produce the show. And if you know of someone who is doing great things here in Saskatoon who is flying under the radar, please let me know. You can send me an email, ericandersonyxe at gmail.com. And you can also find YXE Underground on Facebook, Twitter, at YXE Underground, and on Instagram, again, 
at YXE Underground. And there, you will see pictures of guests taken by my friend and Saskatoon photographer Janelle Wallace. Janelle is absolutely fantastic to work with, and you can follow her on social media as well. And I want to say thank you to Janelle for all of your hard work. All the music that you've heard on this episode and on all the other episodes that you're going to hear on YXE Underground comes from the talented brain of Andrew Dixon. Andrew is a Saskatoon musician who now calls Los Angeles home, and he's also my cousin. So, Andrew, thank you so much. You've been with this from, uh, from pretty much day one. So thank you so much. And you can find him on Instagram at Mr. Mocha. I also want to thank David Hutton, who's the managing editor of CBC Saskatchewan, for allowing me to record my voice here in the CBC Saskatoon studios. Uh, David, I really appreciate your support, so thank you. And also a big thank you to my wife, Jennifer Nairn, for all your love and support and patience in getting this off the ground, and to my dog, Fred, for being the best friggin' dog in the world. And before I go, I would like to acknowledge that this interview was recorded on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. My name is Eric Anderson. This has been episode one of YXE Underground. You can find more episodes at www.yxeunderground.com or on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast, whatever your favorite podcast app is, you will find YXE Underground. YXE Underground is a production of Salt Hammer Production Company. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk soon, Saskatoon. <laughs>